Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave us his identity and took our own so that we could live with him and under, in, in, under him in his kingdom now and forever. Amen. The portion of God's word to which I direct your attention for our instruction and our encouragement today is that which served as our second lesson taken from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. And I'll read again for you verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. This is the word of our Lord. Raise your hand if you have ever wished that you were someone else in your life. Yeah, we frequently do that, don't we? We wish that we had someone else's wit so that we could crack jokes and make people laugh and be popular with them, right? Or perhaps we wish that we had someone else's ability so we could work in a higher-paying profession and we could drive a better car and, a bigger, and we could live in a bigger home. Or maybe you wish you had someone else's health because yours isn't so good. Maybe you even wish you had the health of Marie Zegland, a member of Holy Trinity who is now 102 years old and is still in her right mind. Wow. Or maybe you wish you just belonged to a different family that had less drama and less stress. Wish you were somebody else. Or perhaps you've gone the other direction and you wish that other people could walk in your shoes so that they could know what it's like to endure your chronic pain or your long term disability so that they could understand where you're coming from with all the challenges that you're facing in your life. If only they knew what my life is like. You ever thought that? It's a common trait that we have as human beings. And if you felt that way, either that you could be somebody else, that other people could be you for a little bit, well, then you're not alone in history. You're not alone in the present, and you're not alone in the past. 500 years ago, there was a man who whipped himself because he did not like who he was. He whipped himself because he had thoughts that were selfish. He had dreams that were lust-filled. And he lacked focus during times of worship and times of prayer. He was easily distracted. And he knew that God was frowning on him because of who he was and what he had done. And so he began to punish himself. But no matter how much Martin Luther punished himself 500 years ago, he could not change his identity. And that caused him great fear and terror. He was afraid of death and of dying and coming before the Lord who would look at him and say, you don't measure up. 
away from me. That's what Martin Luther wrestled with early in his life. Now, last Sunday, or actually two Sundays ago, Pastor Tom, when we began this sermon series on the Trinity, talked to us about God the Father, and he mentioned about that special relationship that children desire with their parents, right? Children want to be loved by their parents. And especially children want approval of their parents. And God has wired children that way, hasn't he? To especially want the approval of their fathers. When my father spanked me, it hurt. But what hurt even more than a spanking from the hand of my father were these words from him, you disappoint me. Stung. And if we've heard that from our earthly parent, guess what we're about to hear from our heavenly father? Who says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so God looks at us, and he frowns, and he disapproves, and he says, with you I am not pleased. But there is one with whom God was pleased. One to whom God said at his baptism, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And that is Jesus Christ. He pleased his father in every way. And now you might say at this point, well, of course Jesus would please his father. He's God. It's easy for him to do that. Put him in our shoes. Make him a human being just like us. And then we will see what happens. Well, guess what? Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus, he too shared in their humanity. And he was made like them, fully human in every way. So if you've ever wished that someone could live your life, someone could be in your shoes, be in your place and understand you, well, you have someone. And that someone is God's son, Jesus. True God, and he took into his person our humanity, every bit of it, not the sin, but every bit of our humanity. And so that means that when Jesus went without food, you know how we get hangry? You know? Jesus knew what that felt like too. He was hungry at times. But he never became unjustly angry. Jesus felt the discomfort of extreme heat and extreme cold. Jesus had emotions like we have, and so when people called him the devil, when they called him a liar, just as that would sting your emotions, that stung his. And when Jesus saw a dead body and family members sobbing uncontrollably around it, tears poured out of his eyes too. When he was punched, he bruised. When he was cut, he bled. Like you, like me in every way. And yet through it all, God the Father could look at him and say, with him I am well pleased. 
And now you might say at this point that God the Father would hold up his son Jesus and say to you and me, see, see how your brother lives? Why can't you be more like your brother? But that's not where the Lord goes. Our Father in heaven doesn't say, you change yourself and become like your brother. No. He tells his son, I want you to change and become like those we created. And so he took on your humanity and my humanity. He took on a human identity. Why? He became fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. To make atonement means to take two parties that are at odds and bring them together at one. And in order for Jesus to accomplish that, he had to satisfy God, his Father. He had to satisfy a debt that you had with God and that I have with God. And so he hacked into our identities. Now, generally, if someone hacks your identity, you know, they go into your bank and they start messing around. Um, does anybody ever hack your account so they can pay off your mortgage or pay your automobile loan? <laughs> They don't hack into your account to give you something. No, they hack in to take something. They steal your identity so they can steal things of value from you. But Jesus hacked into our identity, took on human flesh and the human nature so that he could give us something, so that he could benefit us. And so Jesus hacks into our identity and he pays our debt. That means that he took the Father's disapproval that you and I have earned on himself. We deserve to hear God say, you disgust me, away from me, you evildoer. And that is the identity Jesus took. And he stood before his Father, he hung before his Father, between heaven and earth, as one who was detestable to him. And I want you to really begin to more fully grasp what that means. We so easily say, Jesus died for my sins, he paid for my sins, and we keep on going. I want you to understand what that means for Jesus to hear from his Father, I don't disapprove of you, I don't approve of you. I can't stand you. If after church today I meet a stranger and after talking to that stranger for 10 minutes, the stranger looks at me and says, you know, pastor, I don't like you very much. I never want to see you again. That will sting for all of two seconds. Because I don't know this person. I don't have a relationship with this person. I've only known him for five minutes. And I won't miss him. But if my bride of 31 years were to say to me, you disgust me, I never want to see your face again. That would cut me to ribbons and my wounded heart would never fully heal. Why not? Because together we conceived and we raised children. Together we made a home and we 
gathered the things together that we now have in our household. Together we've gone through thick and thin. We've gone through challenges and, and physical trauma. We've endured joys together. We've enjoyed joys together. You endure them. We've had a life together for 31 years. And that's why it would hurt so bad if she were to say, I never want to see your face again. Because I enjoy her, I relish her company and her presence. So now imagine Jesus. From eternity, he is one with his Father. Together with his Father, he created all that exists. Together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, they form and fashion mankind. They make us in his image. They breathe into us the breath of life. And when we turn against them, together they have a plan for how they're going to make things right. They've been in harmony and at peace and working together with each other from eternity, not just 31 years. And now for Jesus to hear his father say, you disgust me. I never want to see your face again. Oh, the debt that Jesus paid for you and for me. He took your identity. And now there is not one thing that God will point to, not one thing left that will lead him to say, with you, I am disgusted. There's not one thing on your record. Jesus took that identity. He owned your shortcoming. But even though Jesus did that, that's still not enough. Still doesn't go far enough. For example, if our righteous acts are filthy rags, are like filthy rags, and they are, then what is there for God to point to that he should say, I am well pleased with you? What is there? I've got nothing. You've got nothing. But Jesus has something. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. When you were baptized, when water was placed on you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, God pasted your picture on Jesus' ID card. God gave you Jesus' identity. And so every flawless thought of Jesus, every good deed that he accomplished has your fingerprints all over it now. They're yours. And God looks down from heaven at you and he says, I'm impressed. With you, I'm well pleased. And guess what? Come on in. Like we heard yesterday, I've got an inheritance waiting for you that you won't believe. Because Jesus has given us his identity. And that's what we're going to hear. With you, I am well pleased. Satan doesn't want you to keep that identity. He's going to beat you up to try to make you let go of it. In your life, the devil 
is going to make you feel ashamed for holding on to Jesus and his values. For example, if you say that a man and woman coming together is reserved for marriage, there are those who say, oh, you're such a prude. If you say Jesus is the only way to heaven, it was you're so arrogant. How could you say that and just exclude all these other people from, from a place in heaven who don't believe? And when you're generous and others are mocking you because you give how much to church? You gave how much for this building? Are you crazy? Satan wants you to let go of the identity that Jesus Christ has given you. Sometimes it's hard to hold on to it. How can we? Well, again, we have Jesus. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Think of the pressure that Jesus felt throughout his life to remain faithful to his Father, to hold on to his identity as one who pleased his God. He had his own family, as Pastor Tom said two weeks ago, who thought he was crazy because he was committed to his ministry. He had the Jewish leaders who called him the devil. He had his own disciples who thought that there's no way he should ever go the way to the cross. He should let go of his identity as Messiah. Satan, even remember, offered him all the kingdoms of this world if he would only bow down and worship him. But Jesus didn't let go of who he was. He held on to that. Do you think he can help you hold on to who you are in him? He can. He's been in your shoes. He's been in your place. And so when doubts rise up in your mind as to God's love and God's wisdom, then run to Jesus' word. And in that word, he will give you his spirit and he will strengthen you. Go to his throne in prayer. For Jesus has promised, whatever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. That which is in keeping with Jesus' name is that which is in keeping with Jesus' will. And Jesus wants all people to be saved. He wants you to be saved. So if you pray, Jesus, uphold me, strengthen me, he will. He will help you hold on to the identity that you have as flawless and pure in the sight of his Father. 500 years ago, a man by the name of Martin Luther discovered, rediscovered the truth from Scripture that he did not need to change his identity, but rather he had an identity that God had given to him as a gift through Christ alone. And he was pressured to let go of it. He was threatened with death for saying that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. And he held on to it because Jesus had conquered his fear of death. He would not renounce his identity in Jesus Christ because he knew that if he died, he would go to be before the throne of God and God would look at him and say, with you I am well pleased. And so it was okay if he was going to die for his faith. And by God's grace, that heritage has still been passed down to you and me. Is it okay if you die for your faith and I die for mine? Yes, it is. Because then we get to go be with Jesus. And what is better than that? And so, brothers and sisters, 
as you leave God's house today, I want you to remember who you are. If you have ever wished that you were somebody else, you don't need to wish that anymore, do you? Because in Jesus, you have a life that is flawless. In Jesus, you have God's full approval. In Jesus, you have your name written in heaven, and there's an inheritance that is waiting for you that is glorious. And all of this is a gift to you and to me from our God, our triune God, who is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons and one God, and they all work together so that we are now one with him. And that is what you are. And who could wish to be, th to be anything else? Amen.